0: Welcome to another episode of the True Crime Society podcast. I know you were all very worried that we weren't coming back, but we're here. <laughs> Stephanie and Olivia we're oh. back 2021, new year, same podcast, hopefully <laughs> even more amazing than
1: last year. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that's possible. <laughs>
0: but we're we apologize that our break was a bit longer than we planned for, but as you all know, it's been a very exhausting couple of months and you know, we just need a little break.
1: Nearly an exhausting year, really.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. And then,
0: you know, once you stop, it's just hard to jump right back in. But yep. we're here, we're ready to go, we're well rested, and it's it's gonna be a great year.
1: It was um summer break here, so I think that's why I found it a little bit hard to get moving again because I had my kids at home for Six weeks over summer break and all that. Anyway, so they've just gone back to school. So I'm ready. Ready for some quiet crime time.
0: <laughs> and it's been the opposite here. It's been Ooh. very cold and snowy. And, you know, I'm still working full time. So I just felt like a real winter slug. So yeah. it's hard hard to stay motivated sometimes. But I'm excited. I'm a little nervous because I don't want anyone to bully me in the reviews. So don't <laughs> don't bully me in the
1: reviews. Or I'll never come back. (laughs) Positive vibes only this year. That's our goal. Positive 2021. Yeah. I mean, as far as
0: life updates, I know you all care so deeply about (laughs) my life. I don't really have any to begin with. I guess the lockdown here has gotten a little better. I mean, we can go get food. We can eat at restaurants, still have to wear masks, all that. I feel like it's probably mostly the same most places around here. And I know over in... Australia, you're faring much better.
1: Yes, thankfully. So uh, I can't, now last year just is all a bit of a blur, but we did really well corona-wise towards the end of last year. I think in, it was November. We were almost at eradication apparently, which is where you have 28 days of no community transmission, but um, something happened, something went wrong and someone in quarantine I don't know. I don't I think they even know how it happened, but basically it was a returned overseas traveler somehow spread it again. Um, here where it's mandatory that you have to do two weeks self-paid hotel quarantine when you come in from overseas. So I think it's about $3,000 per person or something like that. And you put up in a hotel, they give you all your meals, you test it all the time and you can't leave unless you're negative basically. But um something happened and it spread so this was right before christmas it wasn't it wasn't terrible like it was what they did here was they had a new approach to what happened the first time was when they actually just shut down postcodes and areas so um one area in sydney the northern beaches went into full lockdown before christmas for i think 3 weeks or something like that and then so they've just kind of monitored it that way and it seems to have fingers crossed worked because i think we're at now 2 weeks without any community transmission so hopefully that's it for us so we were made to wear masks for the first time during this little outbreak over Christmas but they finished that on Friday this week so now you still have to wear them on public transport um and you know in places where you're going to be close with other people for a long time like a beauty salon or whatever but you don't have to wear them in the mall or in just general day-to-day life which is good um especially because so it's been weird. A hundred percent humidity here, so I know. You know, I, I wear masks. I have no issue with masks, but they aren't the most pleasant thing to wear when it's hot. So, anyway, ki- the kids went back to school as planned on Friday um, for my kids' school. So it's still quite limited in terms of what you can do. Like parents aren't really meant to go into the school and all that, but they're back full time, face to face teaching, which is good. Been very lucky. Hopefully, it can continue. Who knows what will happen though.
0: Hopefully by the end
1: of this year, it'll be all over. Just say, I still just can't even believe it all really happened. It's crazy, really. It just seems like a yeah. bad dream.
0: Yeah. Speaking of um bad dreams, Facebook
1: <laughs> has <laughs> been
0: absolutely terrible. Oh, it's a nightmare. Like literally a nightmare. Yeah. Um, I'm sure anyone who has a Facebook has probably realized that they are or just in Facebook groups, even just on your regular profile. Facebook has now set up algorithms, I guess, to auto moderate comments and things like that just by certain keywords. So you can't say things like bitch, even if you say it in like a positive way, like, hell yeah, bitch. Like you go, girl, <laughs> you're awesome, bitch.
1: They're like, no 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 no. no. And you get even... a ding for bullying and harassment. Kendall was saying you can't even say call someone a potato now <laughs> really yeah I say I don't potato know.
0: all the time I know
1: like, I know they've got rid of like derogatory terms like cow so you can't say you're a stupid cow and you know fair enough whatever but like how are they going to auto mod cow if, are you really talking about a cow or it's just it's ridiculous and what's, what's the problem and
0: they don't take context into yes. any of it
1: and there's also no accountability like for example in our group I got an admin strike and I don't know what for I approved someone's post and apparently that post went against Facebook community guidelines which is fine but we don't know what it was so it's like when you click on it, it didn't to it see say, No it said
0: like invasion of privacy or something but we didn't know what know. it was
1: Yeah and like we have pretty strict I think guidelines anyway for what we let through to post so you know, so I, I raised a ticket and said, what's the deal with this? Because apparently if you get a certain amount of admin strikes, they can shut your group down. So it's not just a little, you know, little misdemeanor. We, I feel like they need to have some accountability. If they're going to go and shut down groups and things like that and they're not going to tell you why, it's yeah. ridiculous. Um, and I know it's just Facebook, but a lot of, a lot of people, um, you know, make a living from Facebook.
0: But even just, like, you have all your photos and everything yeah. on there. Like, I've had my Facebook since I was probably, like, a freshman in high school. And I'm 29 now. So, I mean, I would lose a lot of stuff. Like, you can download yeah. your data, which is good. Um, I know some people have done that. It takes a very long time. But yeah. still, if you lose your profile, it's crazy to think how much stuff you lose. And also... Even if we just lost our group, we started this group in 2017 Mm -hmm. and we've built it to over 200,000 people and it would just be sad to lose it over something like um, the other day, one of the moderators, Kelly, she told told someone who was misbehaving that this was, quote, a stupid hill to die on and Mm -hmm. Facebook auto-modded it because it had the word die in it. (laughs) <laughs> and she got dinged for bullying, but she appealed it and then they took it back because they realized that they were wrong. Yeah. But it's just dumb I, stuff I, like that. And they've been closing all of our threads. So if we say the word gun too much, we think, like if someone was shot, people yeah. were trying to get people to use the gun emoji instead. So Facebook stopped shutting off our threads. And also, if you notice that we're. Being kind of stricter with what people are saying or what kind of threads we allow through. It's because literally our whole group and our personal profiles are at risk. So we have to really go by Facebook's standards versus our own standards, which people have complained about that we're being a little more strict. But it is what it is, I guess.
1: Yeah, it's it's for the greater good, I guess. (laughs) We have to do it if we want the group to keep going. So,
0: yeah. Either that yeah. or you don't got any true crime society. <laughs> Use the gun emoji, bitches.
1: Yeah, yeah. Put, sp- <laughs> put spaces between letters.
2: <laughs>
1: uh, so that's that. But our group
0: did break 200,000 members and our Instagram broke
1: 20,000 followers. I think it was on the same day. Yeah. Amazing. I still can't believe we had over a hundred thousand people joined since February last year. So it was under, it was 11 months. We had a hundred thousand people. Yeah. So it's been crazy. Yeah. And yeah, I think, I think it's still, it's still working well. Like it's, it's a different dynamic now to what it was at the start. Anyway, we love everyone, most all well, 99% of everyone anyway. <laughs> so I know it's just working out the best way to proceed based yeah. on what is happening at the time.
0: All right. Well, enough boring stuff. So today we're going to talk about some things that have happened during our break, some updates on cases. We're going to talk about updates for Cat West, Gannon, Mostly Harmless, and then two cases that were interesting that happened during our break. One is um, Alexa Sharkey and one is Jason Landry that a lot of people were into, right? Yep. That's it. Okay, so we're just going to do two quick updates on Kat and Gannon. So um, Kat West, I'm sure a lot of you know the story already. We have a group dedicated to Kat West. It was kind of like a whirlwind of a case at the time. Um, But Kat was found, her body was found half lying in the street in front of her house and half in her yard on January thirteenth, 2018. She wasn't wearing pants and she had the bottle of absinthe next to her and she had a head injury. A lot of people already suspected that her husband was involved somehow because it was very strange. They were seen out buying the absinthe together. They were apparently having, like, a date night. But it seems like things went wrong somewhere. So her husband, Jeff West, was eventually arrested and charged with her murder. He pled not guilty. And the trial finally happened in November, in the week of November 16th. So the defense argued that Kat went outside drunk after the argument and somehow hit her head. Which I guess didn't really seem plausible to most people, especially since the medical examiner said that the injury to her head was most likely from the absinthe bottle and not from a fall. And so the prosecution argued that after... They said that after they were drinking, the two had gotten into an argument and Jeff threw Kat's phone outside, which is where the police found it later. She went outside after it and Jeff went out after her with the bottle and struck her in the head, which is what ultimately killed her. But unfortunately... There wasn't a ton of evidence either way, so there was kind of room for reasonable doubt. Nothing. There was no, like, smoking gun. That Jeff definitely did it. Yep. But, he was, but he was charged with manslaughter, and he was found guilty of that. But it was just a weird case because even Kat's family was defending him, saying he wouldn't do that. But it's kind of like, who? what else would have happened?
1: It was Kat's mother, I think, who defended him, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. I wonder if she has... I haven't seen her say anything since all this happened, but...
0: Yeah. Intro, I'm sure he'll try see. to appeal it if he hasn't already, but.
1: I just saw that he's going to be sentenced on February 8. It was meant to be early January, but there's some, that doesn't say why they moved it, but they've changed it to February 8.
0: So that was the end of that one after two years
1: waiting, basically. I feel like even though, it, I know you say two years, it was actually quite a qu- quick case. Like, I know he waited a while for a trial, but then the trial just yeah. happened and he was like, it was that, that part of it seemed quick.
0: Yeah, that was all fast, but just, there was a lot of in-between time.
1: Yeah, I guess when you said there isn't much evidence, so a week-long trial, there's plenty for that.
0: Yeah. The next, there's a small update to Gannon Stouk. As I'm sure everyone knows about that case, he went missing, his stepmom was super shady about it, and he was found dead, and she's been charged for murdering him. So he was an 11-year-old from Colorado Springs. He was reported missing a year ago, almost to the day. He was trying to say, T is a stepmom, and she was trying to say
1: that he was leaving to go to a friend's house. She basically implied he was a runaway. He'd, you know, taken off after he told her he was going to a friend's house.
0: Yeah. So in our group, this case was a really big one. We had over 100 threads on it. People were super invested in it. Some people even got tattoos. Everyone was super
1: into Ganon. made t-shirts yeah
0: yeah so like i said his body was found in march 2020 and she was charged with this murder she is still in prison awaiting trial and she's had she's (laughs) been acting kind of crazy in prison it seems like she's trying to go for insanity and trying to seem like she's not competent but she was found competent to stand trial so recently most recently her attorney told the judge that she wants to request a conflict hearing the judge told her that she'll have to write him a letter to explain why there's a conflict and why she would need a new new representation for her case before he considers taking action. Um, the prosecution is not engaged in any plea deals, and he doesn't intend to do so. So her preliminary hearing is March 11th and 12th. Hopefully that doesn't get pushed back. Um, yeah. On the one-year anniversary, the Restoration Church released a statement on behalf of gannon's father al and it said one year ago gannon disappeared but if it wasn't for god's grace the prayers of many and my son's legacy i would surely have quit moving on will never even be considered but equally as an absolute moving forward is the only option without my son life will never be the same and nothing can replace him to all who will read this hug your children and love them each and every day like tomorrow is a precious gift that's never guaranteed I thank God that he laid on my heart prior to one year ago to have the conversation about eternity with my children. For only though my son confessing his faith in God do I know he rests peacefully at his feet in heaven.
1: Sorry. That's nice. It's nice, but it's confusing to me as someone who's (laughs) not
0: religious. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I think in times of grief and trauma like that, that's all he has, which is a nice comfort for him, I think.
0: Yeah, definitely. Next one we're going to talk about is Alexis Sharky, which was a huge one that happened mm. around Thanksgiving time. A lot of people joined and were invested in that. There was some MLM drama, so <laughs> it was a big to do. So
1: yeah, so it was November twenty eighth last year, and we were people were trying to submit a post um, from a woman who was saying her daughter was missing. So. We've got, this is all on the blog too. We've got screenshots, videos, everything. So if you haven't been and looked at the blog, it's at truecrimesociety.com. So, all right. So it was from a woman called Stacey Clark Robonaut who was saying, please share this post. My daughter Alexis is missing. No one has heard from her for over 24 hours and the police are involved. She's lived in Houston since January and that is where she was last seen. Please help us find her. So had photos on the um, post of this beautiful young woman you know, stunning looking girl and we started to dig because it sounded very strange really. So we worked out quickly that her name was Alexis Sharkey or Alexis Robinor. Sharkey was her apparent married name. She was an ambassador for Monat. Is that how you say that? Monat. Yeah. Monat. Okay. She was an ambassador for Monat, which is a um, MLM hair care brand and she had a massive online presence through social media Yeah, she was definitely
0: like a, her Instagram looks very curated. Like she was kind of like an influencer. Yeah.
1: And she had a TikTok where she was very active and things like that. So she's, she's, you would definitely call her an influencer. Um, She'd been living in Houston as the missing person post said. So if you want to go and see more kind of about what she was like, just you can go to her Instagram. One of her last posts is of her in Mexico. Um, And, you know, she talks about how she wants to move there because it's got such a good vibe and things like that. So, you know, she lived a pretty seemingly exciting life. Um, Based on online records that we found and Alexis's posts, we found that she'd married a man called Thomas Sharkey in December 2019, so about a year-ish before she went missing. We found an online marriage record for them but still not 100% if they were actually married. I think they were but there's been some debate as if, you know, if they were married or not. She'd spoken about postponing the wedding, actual wedding because of COVID. But, you know, I don't know. I think they were married. That's my view on it anyway. Um, Thomas was 49 at the time of all this happening and Alexis was 26. So Tom is also on social media. I don't want to say too much because he's, I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah, it did seem like a bit of an odd match. I think he worked in security maybe or something like that, you know. She's this stunning young girl. Anyway, who knows, whatever, her choice. to He honestly
0: looks like he could, like, be her dad. Yeah,
1: and he does have grown children who I think are similarly aged to Alexis, like maybe early 20s so Mm -hmm. anyway whatever floats your boat (laughs) whatever floats your boat uh so back to her disappearance Alexis's mother posted online that she found out about Alexis being missing from both Tom and one of Alexis's friends her mother posted we were just notified of her being missing from her husband and her best friend last anyone heard from her was last night around six she had plans today that she missed and no one is able to reach her so Alexis." I guess she, her group of friends were also quite big on social media, lots of other influencers. So they all started getting online and making pleas for her to come home and, you know, for any information. But there was still no mainstream media about the case. Um, Right about the time that her friends started to make the posts, there was um, news that a body had been found in Houston in a ditch. The body was of a young woman in her 20s who was naked We looked it up and we found that the body was found approximately four miles from the apartment that Alexis shared with Tom. Houston
2: police are investigating the death of a woman
1: whose nude body was found on the side of the road. Police say a Public Works employee discovered the body off Red Hall Lane near I-10 at about 8 o'clock this morning. They
2: say she had no visible injuries. The medical examiner will determine the cause of death and ID. The victim is described as a white woman in her early 20s. If you know anything about this, you're asked to please call HPD homicide or Crime Stoppers.
1: So a day after we first heard about her disappearance, her, the case finally got picked up by the mainstream media. There's an article, I'll read out quickly. It says the mother is desperately searching for her 26-year-old daughter who has been missing since Friday. Uh, Stacey Robenold told Eyewitness News that she has not spoken with Alexis since just before Thanksgiving. She said Thanksgiving was a busy day on her end and our end, so it was just one of those passing type of love you things. Then Friday, honestly, Friday got away. It was a busy day. We never talked, and then she went missing Friday night, and I've not seen or heard from her since. Her mum said that she tried calling Alexis's phone, but all her calls went to voicemail, and then it says that, Tom called the family to let them know that Alexis was missing. We were notified on Saturday that she was missing by her husband. He called us to let us know, and that's, of course, when any parent goes into full panic mode. So um, at the time, we weren't quite sure if Alexis's car was missing, but her mother did note it in this article, and it says that she goes by the name of Lexus or Lex and drives a white Jeep Rubicon. So it was still very... Fuzzy as to what had actually happened. You know, had she left in her car? What was going on? Like
0: it's like still mystery about her car.
1: Yeah, I've never actually, and I think I did read that Tom said the car was there, but it's I maybe her mother didn't know that. So yeah, I don't really know what happened with that. But you feel like she would only say that because the jeep was missing or something. Why else would you? Yeah, yeah. Um. So we started to suspect pretty early on that the body surely had to be Alexis, Alexis. The body that was found in the ditch in Houston. Um, There's an alleged family member who is a minor, so we won't say the name, but they posted on social media saying, I miss her. She's dead. The results came in. I will never see her again. So we posted in the group and then people got mad about that, even though it was a public post, um, you know, because she's a minor. We removed any identifiers because they're a minor. But in the end, that minor was on public TikTok, so... Anyway, whatever. Doesn't <laughs> So then quickly after that too, Alexis's mother also confirmed the news. It says, It's with deeply broken hearts that Mike and I want to let you know that Lexi's body has been found. We cannot begin to thank you all for your love and the kind words you've extended to our family. Please give us this time to grieve this incredible loss to our family and this world. So As soon as it was confirmed, basically, Tom started to go a bit crazy on social media. He was just posting nonstop for probably, what, 24 hours, I think it was.
0: Yeah, and like before this, he hadn't posted anything really, right? Was that a thing people were saying because he wasn't posting about her missing?
1: Yes, and then even I just had a look today and he hasn't posted on his Instagram at least since November. So since this happened, since November 30, he hasn't posted. but.
0: Just a funny side note that I always make fun of Olivia because she always just straight up follows these people <laughs> with no shame. So she, his Instagram used to be public and she followed him and now he's made it private. So joke's on me because I can't <laughs> see it anymore. But I'm Olivia, you
1: <laughs> you're not missing much. There's nothing new anyway. Yeah, but so he posted, you know, tons of photos of Alexis and one of the posts he made is, I just want to say this. While some of you are posting on social media, helping us locate my world, we appreciate all your help, love and support. Others were wasting time talking about other things, basically crap talk. And if my wife would have seen this, she would have been disappointed in your actions. You all should be ashamed of yourselves. I've been assisting the deputies and making phone calls to find out what happened to my wife. Next time, stop and think and realize you don't know it all. So this is like the day that she was found because he hasn't made a post since November 30. So, and that's probably my time zone. So. This is all happening right as she was found. He also made another comment. My, like People are asking him, why aren't you posting you know, about her? Before she was found, obviously. And he wrote, my apologies for letting you down, but I have been busy working with the Houston Police Department that is assisting with locating my wife instead of talking smack. Just so you know, I located her this morning. Now, if you would kindly go fuck yourself and go get into your life instead of meddling in everyone else's, please and thank you. So and I know people at the time were really closely scrutinizing his social media and there were things like, oh, he hasn't posted for eight hours. He must be arrested. And, but clearly that's not true as we will get into. Mm-hmm. So once her body was found, her many, many friends started to come out and say that they thought Alexis had been planning to divorce Tom. They made posts with the hashtag justice for Lex, justice for Alexis, you know, things like that. We had thousands and thousands of people join the group to discuss her case, and many of them were Alexis's friends, and they all wanted to kind of spill the tea a little bit. Just
0: like to be clear, we got a lot of messages from her friends.
1: Yeah, all of them think
0: that her husband Tom had something to do with it, and they were not afraid to share details yeah. with us. We obviously didn't post them because they want to be anonymous, but they were just kind of telling us what they thought. Yeah, but more than one person,
1: yeah, said it to us. <laughs> And all the messages that we got were unsolic- like unsolicited, as in they yeah, sent them to us with no prompting. Them. We didn't ask them to send them; they just wanted to share. It seems so. Um, I think
0: that's because we were like one of the first people to really like post about it and, yeah, quote unquote, like cover it, if you want to say. It, but. I think that they just felt like they
1: had a place to talk about it. Um, So I've just included two of the messages that we got. One's actually a social media post. It says, do you think it's ironic our girl was found dead four miles from her house or that she had divorce papers ready to be signed the day she went missing? Go get him and give him the same treatment. And then justice for And then. So they've tagged Houston Police, ABC 13, Houston, and True Crime Society in that one. <laughs> <laughs> we made the very, big league. Very comparable. <laughs>
0: um, but also also honoured. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Good company. Um, another message we got was, Alexis's marriage was not perfect. She met someone while in Mexico and spent part of Thanksgiving with him. That is 100% true. What I don't know is the extent of the relationship, but word is she cheated on her husband. It is assumed her husband found out about this guy. So I will say also that other people messaged us and said that she didn't cheat on Jeff. She met a guy that she really liked in Mexico, but she didn't do anything because she was married. So we don't know what the truth is, but I just want to put that out there before anyone yells at us and says she didn't do it. We, we are aware of both sides. We don't know what the truth is. Also, just um, to be
0: clear, cheating isn't a reason to murder someone before anyone mm, tries to absolutely. somehow post what not we're saying, saying
1: into that. We're just trying to tell all the sides of the story. Um, mm mm-hmm. You know so that was what we were hearing so Alexis's mother spoke to the media about her daughter too she was so excited
0: about finding her way in the world and even though we're from a small town and she loves coming home uh it's beautiful here she wants to see the world always wanted to see the world and if you um know anything about her anybody knows anything about her they know that she traveled as much as she could we're we're very broken we're very broken hearted it's just so, it's so painful for such, being someone so bright and having so much to offer just to be gone, snuffed out. And, it, and I don't know why, I don't know why. And the horrific nature of, of her last moments must have been, it's, I can't even, I can't even go there. I do, I do believe she was murdered, yes. From what I've been able to gather, as well as a mother's gut, I learned
1: very young as a mom to trust my gut. And uh, I don't, it's not let me down. Um, So more of her friends kept talking to other media outlets too. There was a really comprehensive article from the Daily Beast. It's on the blog, so I won't read it all. But some of the interesting things were her and her husband were going through a divorce. The decision to end her marriage came after a girl's trip to Marfa, Texas last month, where Alexis said that her husband had been putting hands on her. Throughout the trip, he was sending really awful, nasty messages to her. But one night when she and I were talking, she said, he strangles me and chokes me out and I black out and wake up on the bathroom floor every time. And she'd also apparently told her friends that he was controlling and manipulative.
0: And there are pictures of her in Martha, Texas, on her Instagram with her friends. So that seems to line up a bit.
1: Yeah. One of her friends, Kendra, also told the Daily Beast that she had mentioned being separated, even though they were living in the same apartment. And her friends said that Tom told them he'd gotten into an argument with Alexis before she went missing and claimed that she'd hopped over their patio fence and into a car. So, you know, the social media kept going. The man that Alexis allegedly met in Mexico, his name is Seb, I won't put his full name but it's everywhere, also posted about her on social media. So he re um reposted a post on Instagram that said, I swear with every bone in my body, we will find justice for what happened to you, my sweet, loving Alexis. So he, that was not his post, but he reposted that. Um, Tom started to talk to the media as well. He made a six minute really strange interview with ABC 13 and he told them that he had been receiving death threats.
2: alexis's husband tom seen in pictures on her instagram and on his facebook profile told me today he's now receiving death threats tom sharkey says she wasn't always the happy person seen online she was stressed quote sir my wife was an amazing woman she really was there's always other signs to everything i was the one holding her cuddling her and building her back up end quote in the phone conversation, which felt disjointed at times, Tom Sharkey said he finally found Alexis. Quote, everybody was still looking for her, and I located her Sunday morning in the coroner's office. They couldn't ID my wife. They didn't know who she was. She was just there. End quote. When asked for more specifics and details, Sharkey abruptly ended the conversation, saying, quote, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not a jerk. I'm just destroyed.
1: So things went quiet very quickly with Alexis's case. She was found, you know, end of November. Everything went pretty quiet. Um, There was a media interview with the worker who found Alexis's body. For John Richardson, it's a Saturday morning he'll never forget. It plays back in my head. You know, it's been playing back in my head every day. He was at work for the City of
0: Houston Solid Waste when Richardson says he got a call from an employee.
1: He said he thought he seen a body or a mannequin, so he went for sure. He wasn't gonna stop because he was kind of, you know, know that you know he was scared or whatever the case may be. So he asked me to come out there and check it out.
0: So as his supervisor, Richardson went to check it out and still can't believe what they found.
1: So as we was driving, we could see the feet, you know. So we we got out and looked. And there it was. You know, she was laying there uh, deceased. Uh, she was no clothes on. And I just got on the phone. And I called 911.
0: What Richardson didn't realize at the time, the body he had just discovered was 26-year-old Alexis Sharkey.
1: But it was pretty radio silence until December 7, when they released an obituary. But even I just had a look the other day, and it's still never been updated that I can see, and all it says is Alexis Robinalt Sharkey, 26 of Houston, formerly of Youngsville, passed away unexpectedly Saturday, November 28, in Houston. The Nelson Funeral Home have been entrusted with all arrangements, and a complete obituary will be announced at a later date. So that was it. Went quiet. We waited. Everyone was going, "What is taking so long?" She was entered into the Harris County Medical Examiner website, so we kept. Know updating, trying to see if they would announce the cause of death, but there was just nothing. Like it was silence.
0: It was similar to like Cat West in that way, yeah. where it was kind of crazy, and then you know everyone automatically suspects the husband because it just seems the most likely. And people are waiting, 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 and then you have like just a month at least of nothing.
1: Yeah, and so people obviously started talking, and the online rumors about what happened to Alexis seemed to be mainly circling around Jeff and also Alexis's friends. Um, no, Tom. People were s- oh, sorry, did I say Jess <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting them confused. Sorry, Tom. Tom. So, people were speculating um, that Alexis had been dumped following an overdose, which was actually what I probably thought at the time as well, um, which would explain maybe why she was naked. You know, maybe. Um, and then other rumors were that she'd been murdered by Tom or by maybe some of her friends who were quite jealous. Uh, they, I think I think they were the main ones. Can you think of anything else that people were saying?
0: No, I thought it was kind of crazy at the time that a lot of people were like, oh, someone's probably jealous of her or, like, someone probably killed her. To me, that's, like, I don't know, really unrealistic because I just can't – I mean, I'm sure it happens, but that just seems more like the stretch, like, someone killing her because they're jealous. But also, to be fair, at that time, we didn't know, like, the cause of death. Yeah. But knowing how she died definitely points more so in a different direction.
1: Yeah. So that, the obituary was December 7. There was nothing else really online until November. Uh, sorry, January 19 this year when the Harris County Medical Examiner finally released her cause of death, which was strangulation.
2: There are new developments in the death of a popular social media blogger, Alexis Sharkey. An autopsy reveals she was strangled. Grace White shows us what's next in this investigation. Seven weeks is not long. Retired chief of the Texas Rangers, Tony Leal, says cases like Alexis Sharkey's can take time to prove. Medical examiner's office may have known it that night. They may have thought it that night. But they have things they need to rule out before they make that announcement.
1: So interestingly, over time, from when she died to when her cause of death was released, the medical examiner site changed. She was always listed on there as Alexis Robonaut, which was her maiden name, which is also partly why we wonder if she was actually married. But her original next of kin was listed as husband. But when her cause of death was released, the next of kin was changed to parents. So there's a lot of, and again, rumors online that Alexis's parents and Tom have been in conflict about her since she's died. Um, On January 18, it came out that Tom never claimed Alexis's body or stepped in to help arrange her funeral or burial. Her parents came and, with the help of the coroner's office, were able to gain custody of her body to make arrangements. Tom didn't do anything. He put in no effort.
0: He didn't even help, like, pass the custody rights or whatever you want to call them to her parents. He just apparently literally did nothing, which kind of lines up with the obituary still being, like, yeah. Pending and like to be decided eventually. So it seems like they had some problems with her body being claimed, who was going to set what up. Yeah.
1: I do think that the Harris County Medical Examiner now, her body status is released. I think that's what the actual terminology is. So that leads me to believe that she has been finally released to a funeral home or you know whatever is going to happen next for her. Um, it's also been said that Tom is now living in his car, but that couldn't be confirmed or denied. Alexis seemed to be very, well, portrayed herself. I don't know. I'm assuming it's true to be very successful with Monat. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if she was the breadwinner, really, if that was true.
0: Yeah, I don't so know. So maybe,
1: maybe he can't he afford the does. apartment or, you know, I th- I'm sure he's in some type of security, but they moved oh, around a lot. Right. He does have a criminal record. Um, It's not related to the case, so it doesn't, you know, we won't go into it. But yeah, so her cause of death was released almost two weeks ago. At this time when we're recording, there's been nothing else. No one's arrested, as far as we know. No one has seen any reports of toxicology for Alexis, which is what I also suspect they were waiting for because they would have known that she was strangled by the initial autopsy in November or December. So my thought is that possibly they were also waiting for toxicology just to confirm that there was nothing else going on or, you know, to maybe get all their ducks in a row for whatever's going to happen next. Yeah. Um, Otherwise, there's not really any reason that it would have taken, you know, I I still think it's quite quick as in, you know, nearly two months, but I Mm. I feel like they could have confirmed strangulation straight away.
0: I think it's like you said, they just wanted to make sure it wasn't like she was drugged, like anything. Yeah. She was doing drugs since for some reason people were saying that she could have overdosed. But one thing I want to say is that, Um, She has a ton of like great friends and they were really vocal about trying to get justice for her, keeping her name out there, making posts about her So like tons of friends, tons of great friends. So that was really awesome of them. Um, As far as who what I think happened, um, I do think most likely her husband had something to do with it for a few reasons. A lot of it just lines up. I'm sure people will like. Come for me for this, but just like the age difference kind of seems like she just looks very young and he literally looks like your dad. I feel like sometimes in those situations, a guy is not all guys, but sometimes a guy is looking for a girl who is young and easy to manipulate. She yeah. also did tell her friends that he has strangled
1: her before and I was just left going to her say on the bathroom floor. So and now that we know how she died, that kind of all lines up with yeah, you know, like people always say. Yeah strangulations
0: like a crime of passion which might line up to if there was another guy she was talking to maybe he found out about that and that was just like the reaction but i also thought it was interesting that she specifically said to her friends that she would like wake up on the bathroom floor in terms of with her being naked like did he strangle her in the bathroom yeah. often like is was she about to shower it just Kind of a weird connection that I noticed, but yeah, I do think that seems like the most likely thing that has happened would have happened. Yeah,
1: I agree. I don't know. I I guess it could be a totally random but then for him to say that they got into a fight and she jumped over the patio and went into a car, which clearly probably wasn't true because you know, there's no evidence that she was seen anywhere else, and you know, so she would have had to. I'm assuming she wasn't naked when she jumped over the patio and into the car, so and i also think seems- if, if that was
0: true there'd be messages on her phone with like whoever that person was like someone be like i'm outside or her being yeah. like please come get me like me and him are fighting so yeah. if that was true like police wouldn't most likely know who that person was
1: yeah i feel like if if it was tom i feel like it probably wasn't premeditated i feel like it was just a rage mm-hmm. thing you know he went too far maybe he found out like you said about what happened in mexico or that she was going to divorce him and that he flew into a rage. Um, I don't think that he, I don't know. I don't know. I I don't really don't know. But I I agree that all signs point to Tom.
0: Yeah. And especially her body was only found four miles from their house. It kind of seems like, what's it called? Like heat of the moment. And if he strangled her before and she's been fine, like he went too far this time, panicked, just like drove down the road and... Maybe she wasn't naked. Maybe he was like, oh, maybe if I take her clothes off, it'll seem like something else happened. Like, yeah. you just never know. But it definitely seems most likely that he was involved.
1: And if not, that'll be a crazy story. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll hopefully have some updates soon. But at the moment, there's been nothing else released about Alexis's case. But we will definitely keep you updated. Mm-hmm. All right. So the next one that we're going to speak about is another new case that happened over the break, and it's the case of Jason Landry. So I followed this one closely from the time that it started. I know there's some people in our group who are really, really, really super into it. So they've done tons of research if you want to need a rabbit hole to go down. But um, it was December 13 that this one started happening. Uh, we found a Facebook post about a missing man named Jason Landry. Jason was a 21-year-old man who went missing from Lulin, Texas. Lul- Lulin, Texas? I'm not sure how you say it. but Anyway, he had re- apparently been driving from his college in San Marco, Texas, to his home in Missouri City. The post said, my friend, friend's son, Jason, is missing. We need help finding him. Jason was driving home from Texas State to Sienna Plantation in the Houston area. Police found his car off Salt Flat Road in Lulin. It appears to be a single car accident and he hit two trees. His phone, wallet and all belongings are still in the car and he's not. There is minimal blood. Lisa received the call at 2am but they don't know what time the accident occurred. Best guess is sometime between 9pm and 1.30am. So I had a look on Google Maps. The entire drive from the college to his home should have taken around two hours and 45 minutes, but for some reason his car was found only about 30 minutes from the college, so, you know, 30 minutes after he left. Um, So if you look at the photos of the car, it seems very strange for kind of a one-car accident because there's damage to the front and the back of the car. Um, and it's quite a lot of damage. Like, I I, I don't think it would have been drivable. Um, I assume yeah. it would have been written off eventually. Um, so the initial reports were saying that he possibly spun out and hit trees, which I guess would explain the damage. So if he hit it at the front and then it spun and then hit more trees at the back. If it was trees, he would have had to spin out, hit one tree on his front driver's
0: side, and hit yeah. another tree on his back passenger side. Like, the damage is on the two
1: opposite corners of the car, mainly. Mm, it's weird. And it doesn't look like there's any damage to the side of the car either. So it, like it looks like it was like a clean spin almost from, what, from from the photos that I can see.
2: Several agencies and even locals like Stuart Carter have been looking for Jason. It's uh, thousands of acres. And uh, today I'm searching close to the roads as possible. I think he's trying to go, you know, he's heading for help and he might have lost energy. We're still concentrating on some areas such as the creeks and the water, uh, but uh, right now we still haven't found them. Sergeant Dion Cockrell with the Texas Department of Safety says they are being thorough. Video, cameras, whatever we can use to, to scour the area. As Jason's family waits, his dad has a message for his son. We just want you home. Nothing else, nothing else matters. I love you, son.
1: At the time, the police report was shown on Fox 7. So it says, notes, unable to inventory vehicle, keys in ignition, vehicle doors locked. Black backpack found approximately 100 feet south of the crash location on the road, which contained narcotics and wallets suspected to belong to the driver of the vehicle. So the interesting bit in that is narcotics, really, like what... You know, what were they? Why did he leave them behind? Um, so that kind of started a lot of the discussion as well. So um, the sheriff who worked on this case was Sheriff's Sergeant William Miller. He said that they initially didn't think there was any cause for alarm because they often find abandoned vehicles in as it's a remote area and that the owners of the vehicles usually come forward to claim them. Obviously, that didn't happen. That's just kind of weird in itself. But okay. yeah. Um, they said at the time that they couldn't access his cell phone, even though it was in the car because of the type of security code he used, it may take months to unlock it. So they said at the time that they were trying to subpoena companies like Facebook and Google, but it might take a very long time. Uh, A few days after Jason disappeared, the Texas Department of Public Safety's Sergeant Dion Cockerell said, right now we have no indication of foul play at all. We don't know if maybe someone picked him up or if he just wanted to an area where they haven't, we haven't searched or found him yet. Texas EquiSearch also sent crews out. This was all, you know, within days of him going missing. They searched for nine days. They used a helicopter with infrared cameras, drones, side scan sonar, scent dogs, uh, people on foot, ATVs, and horseback. There was an abandoned house in the area, um, and they do. There was a rumor that's never been confirmed that Jason's scent was tracked to that house, but they searched it and he wasn't there. So on December 22, which was nine days after the accident, Texas EquiSearch announced that they had searched the area thoroughly and they couldn't do anything else um, without new information from law enforcement, basically. They'd looked everywhere they could, which is they are are usually quite successful in their searches, but it doesn't seem like they found much at all. Mm -hmm. Jason's family, I think, were quite active within their church. So the church Facebook often gave us updates they talked about things like they pumped a pond due to the size it won't be fully pumped until tomorrow five cent dogs made their way to this pond um but i'm certain nothing has come of that so the church updates just talk about how they you know keeping their faith and things like that so it's not like highlights a of the of-
0: daily search
1: yeah yeah So when I started to write the notes for this, the most recent article up until yesterday was January 11, so you know about two weeks of nothing, and the article said, nearly a month after disappearing from a rural south central Texas road, Jason Landry's whereabouts are unknown. They released a new photo of Jason, which he does look quite different from the original missing person photo that they released. He looks a bit less clean cut, maybe a bit more ragged. I don't know if that is the right word to use, but he does look different. Uh, so they also said at that time that they found clothing approximately 900 feet from the crash site uh, they didn't really give much more information than that. So this is all we had to go on for, you know, it's six weeks now. There was basically no real confirmed information until luckily yesterday, thankfully, we got an update before we actually started this podcast. I was <laughs> going to put it in at the start, but I thought it would be more useful to include it now because to show how little information there was up until this point. So, the Caldwell County Sheriff released a statement. I'll read the whole thing because there's a lot of information in it. It says The Caldwell County Sheriff's Office continue the search for 21 year old Jason Landry, who is considered a missing person. They talk about the search that they've done. And it says investigators have now gained access to most of Jason's phone and computer data. Investigators are still waiting for some search warrants from social media and tech companies. It says, investigators now believe that Jason left his apartment in San Marco on 10, at 10.55pm on the 13th of December with the intent to travel to the Missouri City, Texas area where his parents live. At 11.05, Jason was driving his vehicle on Highway 80 and passed under I-35. He continued to drive south on Highway 80, entering Caldwell County at 11.07. At 11.11pm, Jason was in Martindale, continuing south on Highway 80. At eleven fifteen, Jason pay- passes over SH one thirty on Highway eighty. So it, it goes through basically every place that he went through. I'll stop reading them because your eyes will probably glaze over. But <laughs> it says so. A, the first notation of time is eleven o five, and then it says at eleven twenty four p.m. Jason entered the city of Luling on Highway eighty. He goes through the intersection on Hackberry Street, where Highway eighty becomes Austin Street. There, Jason quits using the Waze application and begins using the Snapchat application on his cell. Jason continues to Austin Street to the intersection of US Highway 183. It is believed that he went straight through the intersection onto East Austin. At this point, his digital footprint essentially stops. It is believed that he continued onto East Austin onto Spruce, which turns into Salt Flat Road. Jason's vehicle is found abandoned in the 2300 block of Salt Flat Road at 31 minutes after midnight. So um, but then well, it goes on to say that's an approximate 67-minute window between the last data footprint at Austin and Magnolia and the discovery of the crash site. His, st- his phone still had cell signal and was powered on, and investigators are trying to determine why he didn't use it at the end of that, you know, before just before the accident. Jason's vehicle was abandoned, lights on with the keys in the ignition, and the front passenger side locked. The vehicle collision is a single vehicle collision, most likely from overcorrecting on the ga- gravel road and spinning off the roadway. So then it talks about that he drove, the like when he had the accident, and propelled the front driver's side into another tree and a barbed wire fence. No evidence that anyone else is involved. It um, just keeps talking about the accident as well. The people who responded to the scene did not enter the vehicle. It was towed to an impound yard where the next morning Jason's father got into the vehicle and found his phone between the driver's seat and the centre console. They don't know if it fell while Jason was driving the vehicle or during the crash. Um, And Jason's father was the one who found the clothing 900 feet from the collision scene. They found his shirt, shorts, socks, underwear, slide sandals and a watch in the road. They were collected by police. No, 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 so weird, um, and then they also found a single blood smear on the on the clothes. The blood spot was small, and it's not indicative of serious bodily injury. They think that that blood spot may have actually came from Jason exiting the car because he might have come into contact with some barbed wire. Why is there barbed um,
0: wires like <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, and they also found more things which all these things seem to be in the road, so I don't know why he kind of took them out of the car anyway, but so they found. A backpack ball cap, a plastic bag of personal tro- toiletries, and the weirdest thing, a tumbler with his deceased better fish in it. So he's taking his goldfish, taking his goldfish, obviously to go home for Christmas, but he I guess he put it in a cup. <laughs> And then then the fish was dead. Anyway, so in the backpack, there was a wallet, a usable amount of marijuana, a laptop, gaming equipment, and a few personal effects. Any report stating the backpack was filled with narcotics is inaccurate. It was just a small amount of marijuana. And this is the most interesting bit, I think. It says, there remains a possibility that the marijuana was combined with an unknown hallucinogenic substance. These findings are pending. So they believe that the clothes that were found in the road are the clothes that Jason was wearing... That night. So that's interesting. They said there was a low that night of 36 degrees Fahrenheit with a high of 43 degrees. So it goes on and just says there's no evidence that Jason was travelling to meet with anyone or had communicated intent to meet with anyone around that area, so they're not still not quite sure what he was doing there. So I think that clears up a lot of uncertainty that was surrounding the case, um, but still so many questions. Um, I asked the people in the group, or we asked the people the other day what their theories were, and I know that now they've spoken about all the clothes that were found, so they were saying that maybe he became hypothermic. And there's a um, term called paradoxical undressing is a term for a phenomenon frequently seen in cases of lethal hypothermia. Shortly before their death, the people will remove all their clothes as if they are burning up when they are in fact freezing. So I tried to see if that could have happened within that half an hour Um you know, to, of when his car was crashed and when he was found because that seems really quick to me. I know it was cold, but it, it was wasn't, cold, but,
0: like, it wasn't dangerously cold that you would.
1: I feel like it wasn't hypothemic in half an hour, especially when he had clothes on. Like, it's not like he was naked to start with. He had clothes on. And so I feel like to get to that point of undressing, it would have taken a lot longer. I could be wrong, and Google hasn't really helped me.
0: It makes me think, you know, how we've talked about it, but how they said, that the weed could have been laced and there was still... Testing it. Personal story, so sorry, parents, if you're listening. (laughs) (laughs) When I was younger, I used to smoke a lot of weed. And um, one time... I smoked with my friends like normal. I was like only in my teens. I just remember we were at a golf course and we smoked. And I was sitting there and all of a sudden like these huge like cockroaches started falling from the sky and they were like landing on my legs. I was kneeling in the grass. So I kept like brushing them off my legs. And as soon as I brushed one off, like another one would fall from the sky and land on me and brush it off and just kept happening. And like all of us were just freaking out, being like hallucinating, basically. And, you know, we had no idea what was going on but we were like freaking the fuck out so finally it like goes away whatever the guy the next day who sold the weed to us was like oh like how was um smoking that weed the other day and we're like um it was fine he was like oh word it was laced with pcp like what (laughs) you're gonna sell weed laced with pcp to a bunch of teenagers (laughs) but like imagine if maybe he smoked before he got in the car was gonna drive home and then, like, you just start fucking hallucinating. Like, you could have yep. – when you don't know you're smoking something that's laced, you're like, mm-hmm. what the fuck is happening?
1: And I know that someone else messaged the page who – I don't think they knew Jason, but they were very familiar. I think they went to the same college and lived in the same area. And they said, there's actually no way he should have been in that area. Like, there's no need to go through there. Like, mm-hmm. like I, think, I, I think it has to be drug-related. There's something going on, whether it's the laced drugs, whether he took something else. I feel like it has to be drug-related. Yeah, it's very the scary. area where he went missing is very remote. Like I've put a Google map, you know, satellite image in, and it's there's basically nothing around. So, and did they say it was like a gravel road? Yeah, um, there's been actually someone who knows Jason, and they posted this in the group yesterday. So I've included it because I think it kind of probably supports what happened to him. It says knowing Jason, he's a very heavy pot smoker. After reading this update, there's no doubt in my mind whatever he was smoking at the time was laced. No experienced user gets high and crashes their car. At the same time, the amount of pre-rolls found makes me think he was going to sell them once he got back home. For all we know, he's on the craziest zinger of his life, which I don't think is true. I think he's probably (laughs) has passed from exposure somewhere and they just haven't found him yet. I'll be surprised if it's anything else. But you never know it could be. But it's just such, it reminded me of this case. There's a lot, actually randomly, there's a lot of other similar cases. There's the case of Brandon Lawson, who also went missing in Texas, I think 2013 or something like that. And he called 911, said he needed help. Um, and that basically people were chasing him and he's never been found. And then there's another case of a guy called Brandon Swanson, all the Brandons. He <laughs> called his parents and said he'd wrecked his car and could they come and get him and basically where he thought he was is not where he was and he was on the phone to his parents trying for them so he's like I can see lights and things like that and then he all of a sudden he said oh shit and the phone died and he's never ever been seen since that was in a different state though that was Minnesota but still just randomly like people there are a lot of people who go missing after car wrecks it even reminds me not with the car wreck but just like Tyler Davis in a way where he's
0: like yeah was drunk was on the phone and then he's just literally fucking gone
1: yeah. Like it's so crazy that people could just you know like where they were and just no one can find them. They're just gone. And it's just also interesting to me that he stopped using Waze and got on Snapchat. Um I wonder why. Like maybe he was hallucinating know. and saw something crazy and was like, yo, I gotta Snapchat this. <laughs> Who knows? He might he could have just got distracted, but it's weird that he shut Waze down. Um like that's what it sounds like to me. Like he turned it off. He didn't need yeah. it. Anyway, I'm glad we were able to record with that update because I feel like it (laughs) you know, answers so many questions. Yeah, but still just a strange one that we will keep you updated on. And Leslie did a really, really good blog on that case. It's up on truecrimesociety.com. It's got screenshots, maps, everything. So if you want to have a bit of a deep dive into the case, go and check it out.
0: Next, we're going to talk about the really huge update surrounding the unidentified (laughs) hiker, Mostly Harmless. Um, I'm sure all of you know about this case we did a whole episode on it so if you don't know about it and you want to hear about it before we get into the update Mm -hmm. just go back and
1: listen to the episode because it was very involved it was a good episode and also check out the blog too because there's tons and tons of photos and background and all that on there
0: yeah so summary um mostly harmless was the trail name of a man who was found deceased in his tent on july 23rd 2018 in big cypress national preserve in florida Over all this time, um, a lot of people recognized him, knew him, saw him on the trails, but they only knew him by Mostly Harmless or Ben Billamy, which were not his real names. Or Denim. Oh, right. Or Denim. (laughs) But no one knew his real name, his real identity, anything like that. So for all this time, they've been trying to figure out who this guy was. And finally, it happened. Um, He was finally identified over two years later in December 2020, unofficially, which caused a lot of drama because people who recognized him, started talking on social media, but Collier County Sheriff's Department was not officially confirming it yet. But once people saw the photos, like it was a hundred percent him, looked just like yeah. him.
1: And people were like, no, 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 that's definitely him. Sometimes when you see a photo, you're like, oh, it could be there is absolutely no way this guy was not the same guy.
0: And he did look different because in the photos he was going through more of like a grunge type look Goth. and had longer hair. But you could just tell from his face it was a hundred percent him. Yeah. And it actually, it kind of all, we were hearing rumors that, you know, people knew who he was, that he was going to be identified. And then, um, like Olivia mentioned before, we have our blog. We've had this blog for a while. Um, someone commented on it named Randall. And he said, I knew him, lived with him for years. I'm in contact with the detective on this case. Notebook was pseudocode for a MUD. Multi user dungeon. We both played a lot of them. Looks like he was creating a procedurally generated one where the mobs in the game actually built new areas, which is neat. Scar was from a self inflicted gunshot wound when he was young. He always donated blood afterwards due to the large amount that he needed to stay alive afterwards. So then, you know, that was kind of crazy that this guy just commented on her page. Yeah. And Olivia then commented back and asked him if he had any other info, anything he could share. And he said, yeah, I'm not sure how much I'm allowed to say. I'll talk to the detective again tomorrow and ask. Then another person commented and said, how do you know it's the same guy? What city do you guys live at? How long ago did you see him? Can you say anything like that? And then another person commented under the name Shell. And she said, because he, like myself, recognizes his picture, he was a longtime friend, roommate, and travel companion who we lost contact with. So it seemed like these people were pretty certain that they knew who
1: he was and I'll just say like a total crime creep that I am, I went and I kind of did some research on these people and they, they I, I'm sure now they were legit, but at the time I also thought they were legit because I found their address um, and we found, so <laughs> <laughs> we did some cross-checking of different addresses and found where they'd both lived together so then we could look and see who had also lived at that address at the same time. So we, kind of had an idea of his name eventually too before it was released yeah
0: at that time his name was figured out it came out people were posting it around like it was on reddit we weren't the only ones to post his name so it's not like we're these big
1: assholes being like let's break the news."
0: no it was people were talking about it all over
1: definitely his name was definitely posted on reddit anywhere i think before it was posted anywhere else
0: right so it turns out he's a guy named vance rodriguez but we've talked about this before in the last podcast. There are a lot of people very involved in this case. Like it's (laughs) almost like they're writing fan fiction about him in some way, like creating this story of his life and how he's this amazing guy and they have no idea about him, but they're very attached to him and their perception of him.
1: I think a lot of them have literally spent probably hundreds or thousands of hours trying to find out who he was. um, And, i don't know like i know people say we knew he was vance we've known it for weeks or months or whatever but then i i also question if they actually really did know that and if they would have figured it out if the roommate didn't come forward everywhere
0: yeah i don't think
1: um, that's true i don't know so they'll probably come and shoot me down and say no we no, knew it we knew 100% it. <laughs> if they hear this episode or someone tells them to listen to it they will try to roast us about this but it is true yeah and um I know even now since this has all come out, like I know one of them is going to be, has been interviewed for TV. Like they're really, really, really. Um, involved. Yeah. yeah. Possessive of it and involved. Yeah. Yeah.
0: They, they will fight you.
1: <laughs> I will say it's probably one of the strangest cases I've seen for this type of behaviour. It's just so. Um, it's like obsession. It's yeah, weird. It is. Obsession for someone who they never met. Anyway, I know you'll keep going cuz we'll talk about the rest. Yeah, but. we'll
0: we'll talk about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but anyways, so these people tried to like give us a hard time being like how dare you like leak his name, his family, blah blah blah. It's like, girl, his family didn't care about him for 3 fucking years, like Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, it came out that he is Vance Rodriguez who was born in February 1976 in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Like we said, 100% him. Yep. Nicholas Thomas wrote a really great article for Wired, which is where I got a lot of this information from. I didn't post all of it. So if you want to read the whole thing, definitely check it out because he interviewed a lot of people who actually knew Vance. So some of the takeaways were like I said, he was born in February 1976, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. He had a twin sister and an older brother. And as we said in our last episode, he did tell people that his father was abusive and deeply hurt him in some way, but no one could really say specifically how, like if he beat him or what happened there. Yeah. But he seemed to really hate his parents. And like Randall said on our post about him, he said that the scar was inflicted from a self-inflicted gunshot wound, which it was. And when Vance was 15 years old, he walked out to a field with a gun to kill himself and shot himself in the stomach. But as he laid there bleeding, he realized he didn't want to die and waved down a trucker to help him. So the scar that he had is from the surgery that followed that. That seems like it lines up with maybe his father abusing him. Um, Like it's hard to say because there's nothing out about that, but it seems to line up that he had some. He obviously
1: had a lot of things going on at 15 to do that.
0: Yeah, like it's very young. Yeah. So at 17, he was actually legally emancipated with the consent of his parents by a Lafayette, Louisiana court. So his parents agreed to let him be emancipated so seems like there was um not a great relationship there
1: yeah
0: um a woman named marie was interviewed for the article she is an old friend and former roommate of his and she said that vance was angry that his parents had institutionalized him after the suicide attempt she said he would not talk about his parents except to say fuck them so all on par so far.
1: <laughs> it sounds like he, he really didn't have a lot to do with any of his family after he became emancipated. So yeah, it seemed
0: like he really disliked them. Yeah. So after graduating high school, he enrolled at University of Southern Louisiana, and there he met fellow computer enthusiast Randall Godso. that is the Randall who commented on our page, and the two became roommates and friends for the most part. Randall said he remembers Vance playing games for 18 hours a day, shutting everything else out. He said that he, he said, quote, he would go through huge bouts of depression. He'd go for a year without smiling or being nice to people. <laughs> he also confirmed that Vance had cut off all contact with his family. And didn't remember Vance ever showing any interest in spending time outdoors or hiking or
1: anything It's so strange, isn't it, that that he's gone from one extreme to the other, really?
0: Yeah. It seemed just kind of like a fuck it moment. Yeah. He didn't graduate from college, but he had really great computer coding skills and was a really great computer engineer. So he didn't have any issue finding a job. Um, He worked for a company called Shopper's Choice. And there is actually a photo of him wearing the uniform with the logo on it. Um, And he was recognized as one of the most talented engineers on the team. His friends said some weird quirks about him were that he ate once a day, usually a pizza from Walmart. He <laughs> wore black jeans, black shirt, black trench coat. He had long, dark hair almost down to his waist. But one day he cut off all his hair and gave it to Lacks of Love. Well, he did one nice thing in his life. <laughs> I know. It seemed like he was like generally <sighs> isolated and unhappy, but sometimes he did nice things.
1: Yeah, and like it does sound to me before anyone comes at me because I know they will. I, I it sounds like he was very mentally <laughs> mentally ill. So um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I I I get that, and I do get that. Don't leave us a mean review
0: comment, being like <laughs> me 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 me. His friends, um, Marie specifically said that he would go on what they called outages, where he would lay immobile for days, refusing food and all human contact. But eventually he would snap out of it, and she said he wore his sadness like an extra layer of skin. Mm. So while in Baton Rouge, Vance started a relationship that would last for five years. It ended very badly. When it was over, the woman that he dated wrote on Facebook: Apartment nine fifty a month, like a list. Apartment nine fifty a month, bills three hundred a month. Standing up to the monster that beat you up emotionally and physically for five years? Question mark Priceless. Mm. After Vance was identified as the hiker. Her mother commented on Facebook, and she said, My daughter was Vance's girlfriend of five years. This man was so abusive to my daughter, he changed her. He could not spend any quality time with her family the whole time they were together. She said he had schizoaffective disorder. He did not like me. I called him down for not answering the door when I went to check on my daughter. I was so relieved when they finally broke up, and he had the gall to kick her out of her own apartment. So, seems like not the best situation.
1: And then um, she wrote on social media too, didn't she? Or is that someone else?
0: Yeah, that no, no, yeah, that's the same girlfriend. So I somehow was able to figure out through the mother who she was. And she does have some posts open on her Facebook. So I found some other posts of her talking about that. One she said, I'm so tired of having dreams about him. I'm a vivid dreamer. So not only does it hurt over and over when we make amends, but it hurts twice as much to wake up and realize. There is still no closure for what he did. I think it's going to be a long day.
1: And And that was from 2011. So this was obviously, you know, right. Yeah, this was a long time ago. Yeah.
0: Before he moved to New York and all that. But she had a lot of support from her friends. So it kind of seems like a lot of people knew about the situation. Another post from August 2012. She said, Last man that called me stupid left a scar that will last a lifetime on my confidence. Once before, never again. And she did make posts about she also worked at um, Shopper's Choice. They worked together. So I'm confident this is the correct person. person. (laughs) Yeah, and there are posts where she says his name, but whatever. After they broke up in 2013, he began dating another woman that he met online. Like, I don't think they had ever met before that. And the two decided to move to New York and move in together because she worked in fashion. So it would be great for her to be in New York. And Vance, I guess, just didn't care and wanted to move to New York. So she said the article refers to her as Kay. She said at first he was romantic and sweet, but soon started to clam up and shut her out. She said if something upset him, he would stop talking to me completely, which can be very lonely when you share a 500 square foot apartment. He and Kay went out maybe once a month, she recalls. She would ask him if he wanted to travel and he would respond that he didn't need to travel because he could easily look up photos online, which is kind of funny considering he went on this. Not funny, but ironic considering he went on this long Appalachian trail hike. She also said, He did open up to me about previous women that he knew and how he treated them. They should have been red flags. She stayed with him despite her foreboding. She said, At one point he locked me out of our apartment after I got out of the shower without clothing because he started arguing about something I can't even remember. That wasn't the only time he locked me out. So it seems like that was something he did with both women mentioned because the mom said that he would lock out the other girl too. On a Saturday night in September 2016, Kay was injured when a terrorist set off a bomb on West 23rd Street in Manhattan. For the record, I was there. (laughs) Um, She said, I had pretty bad PTSD, to which he hated caring for me, even kept a, a dated log of every time I needed help, to the point where he left me outside in the dark, knowing that at that time I couldn't be outside alone or be in the dark without panicking. And then she added, and this is only the light stuff. So apparently there was worse situations that she didn't want to talk about. So around this time, according to Kay, Vance also made a threat that was both terrifying because of his skills and ironic because of the anonymity that he ended up wanting or having. Um, He threatened to dox Kay if she ever left him, but she still moved out that winter. And he reached out to Randall, who remembers worrying that Vance would commit suicide. In mid-April... He posted his last message in the Screeps Slack community, which we talked a little bit about in the other episode. It's just a online game forum. So he stopped posting there in April 2017. His landlord said it seems that he left in a hurry when he went into the apartment after not hearing from him. Eight months later, he found unopened food in there, uh, Vance's passport, his wallet, his credit cards. Seems like he just up and left. The journalist from Wired asked Kay, the ex-girlfriend if she thought he'd become a different person since like we said everyone who had met him on the trail was like he was so nice like they really got to know him he seemed like a great guy so he was wondering if she thought like did he become a different person or like what happened here and she said he was personable when he first met him but after spending more time with him in an intimate way his personality completely changed The people on the trail didn't spend years with him to see how he handled ups and downs. Maybe he was good at code, switching and hiding the person he was behind doors with me or others. I think it just hurts that he was capable of being this person with complete strangers, but when it came to us, he couldn't even be a decent human, being or treat me or my body with any dignity. Which is sad, it seems like. Yeah. Seems like she still has some trauma from that, which is unfortunate. His friends, I guess the journalists asked what they thought happened, and... They said that they believe he didn't seek help while he was starving out in the woods due to one last major outage. Um, Kay said that, I know when he had to deal with anything, he would just lay down and sleep. And she said, I feel like that's what happened. He would ignore problems and just sleep till it was gone.
1: I wonder what he would have been, maybe just past trauma, because like there doesn't seem to have been anything else that could have worried him at, like, you know, do you know what I mean at the time then. He had cash, he had all that. So I don't know be interesting anyway yeah like what triggered him to just be like i'm out yeah maybe he just had
0: nothing else because it seemed like he moved to new york to be with that girl yeah and then maybe after that he was like maybe he was finally fed up with wasting away in his apartment and wanted to do something productive but you know he wasn't really experienced in hiking and then kind of maybe just gave up
1: I guess also based on his past, it makes it clear that he wasn't the most um, well person or rational person or anything like that. So I guess it's not, shouldn't really be surprising if that is what happened.
0: Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about, like we said, like there's so many people out there that even hearing all this and reading all these interviews, they still have this idea of him that he was this great guy that they thought he was going to be. And they will literally like Shame these women he abused and be like, "Mm, Was it that bad? Like, what did you do to deserve it? It's just very strange. I took some comments that I just had saved on my phone because I thought they were really gross. But remember the mother's comment that I read before about how Vance had abused her daughter, blah, blah, blah. Someone responded on that Facebook post to the mother and said, If he was so abusive, where are the police records? There's always whoremongers like you trying to step forward for a few minutes of fame
1: maybe your daughter was the nutcase like what and that comment that comment was made after he was identified so this woman went and sought out these posts from you know how many years ago to make that comment on that is revolting
0: yeah it's it's just like one of those things like you know what think that if you want if you're uneducated and don't understand abuse yeah. but like to come that to her fucking mom it's so gross
1: <laughs> it's disgusting
0: so then I thought another thing that was interesting was there's people people who were, like, obsessed with him and, like, finding out his story and want to know everything about him. Now suddenly that the abuse came out, they're like, it's not our business who he was before. Like, it's not our business. We shouldn't be talking about it. And it's like they have this idea that Ben and Vance aren't the same person. So one person, we'll call her was very vocal about this and one of her comments in response to someone said exactly we didn't know him before he hit the trail and to be honest it's none of our business i feel like the people talking shit about him are the ones who never cared for him and have absolutely no respect for his loved ones or the fact that this man has passed and can't defend himself hell even the girlfriend whose mom ran her mouth says she still loves him and had nothing bad to say about him he'll always be mostly harmless and Ben to me. I don't know Vance, but I'm glad he's home. So that just shows the weird obsession, keeping mostly harmless and Ben on a pedestal as if he isn't Vance. Yeah. And it's almost like they just don't want to admit they were wrong. But I did think it was interesting that the one of the girlfriends said, you know, that they'll always like love him and like, it makes them sad. And some people use that As an excuse to be like, oh well, if he was so bad, like she wouldn't love him still, and blah blah blah, which I think is dumb because he was clearly mentally ill, and you can still have compassion for someone who's mentally ill, even if they did you dirty. You still want the best for them, and it's still overall a sad story. Yeah, and you don't want to talk shit about someone who's dead, like while she's being interviewed for an article. You still like you don't want to be like he was
1: the worst piece of shit ever. It's just not human nature to be like that. Exactly, and then also it's been a while since you know, I guess four or five years or whatever, but she has probably done some healing in herself as well. So she, you know, she I'm sure there were some good times with him and maybe they did love each other. So you don't always have to forget that just because someone is abusive to you. It's it's if you want to feel like that about your ex, that's up to you. It's no one else's prerogative to say what they think someone else should be doing.
0: Yeah. I don't think her saying
1: that means that he wasn't a piece of shit. No, absolutely, I agree. And the other thing about that comment from E that you said, it's like we didn't know him before he hit the trail and to be honest it's none of our business they made his whole entire life their business they made groups for him <laughs> you know it's just and now and now they that, yelled at us for posting a
0: photo <laughs> of his scar like.
1: <laughs> and now that his actual story doesn't fit their narrative they're like no none of our business we shouldn't be worrying about it you know yeah I, I, I think everyone perfect because all the comments and um people who met him along the trail he seemed like a nice guy like he seemed maybe a bit eccentric and all that, but he seemed kind and nice and happy and all those type of things. And when it turns out that he was actually generally the opposite, like, no, not our business, let's move on.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we don't don't talk about that part.
1: Yeah, we just only talk about the part that we know, which is him on the trail. Just forget about the rest of the 38 or how many years of his life he was before he went on the trail.
0: Yeah, but that's (sighs) that overall.
1: An interesting story and a strange <laughs> story. I feel like this is one of the cases where the mystery was better than the reality. I, don't know, I feel kind like of I, fast I, I, weird. <laughs> I think it's super interesting. Like I'm glad that we got answers, but I feel like mm-hmm. mm, it was underwhelming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, people who I know will not like that, but I feel like it's, it's, it's a sad ending for what was actually a really interesting mystery.
0: Yeah. And it, it is sad. He clearly had mental illness. Clearly his family wasn't really there for him. Yeah, And it just, it really is just like an overall sad story.
1: I can't remember if you included, I know you had it in your notes, but that his dad and I think another family member also actually joined oh, our group. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: So his abusive father, before it really came out when it was just rumors, his, I figured out who most of his family members were just by looking them up. Cause I just wanted to see if anyone had said anything about him, but his dad, dad did join our group but he never said anything and maybe just he left
1: after we checked again but he was there for a bit which is interesting so they obviously i don't know i'm I'm, i have no doubt that maybe the it was the detectives who contacted him but i have no doubt there was other people who also contacted them to let them know what was going on
0: in in the Wired article the journalist did say he reached out to them and his twin sister responded and said that they didn't have any comment on it Yeah. And as far as I know, they
1: haven't said anything. So it's um, a conclusion to the case, probably a bit of an unexpected one, but Mm -hmm. we all got what we wanted. (laughs) We found out who he was.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but that's that. I mean, that's all the updates that we have or the things we found most interesting while we were on a brief hiatus. We'll definitely keep you posted on any of those. And that's it. <sighs> Back into it. So if you guys want us to continue on and not go on another hiatus, give us a five-star review, <laughs> boost my confidence, tell us that we're great. I'll be very happy. If there's anything you want to suggest or any comments you want to make, just shoot us a message on the True Crime Society page or on our Instagram. Make sure you're in our Facebook group because that's where a lot of this comes from, True Crime Society. Instagram, Twitter, everything, our website. We're all over. So yep. everyone here to join. Do you have anything else to say? I mm, don't think so. Bear with us. Been crazy time, as you all know, but <laughs> we're doing our best and we'll see you guys next see episode. You. See ya. See you next time. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs>